Hello and welcome back to the Breathing Deeply Yoga Therapy and Meditation Podcast with Brant Pasalakwa, founder of the Breathing Deeply Yoga Therapy and Meditation School. In this podcast, we answer our students' questions and share information about yoga therapy and meditation with the intention of creating a new paradigm in wellness. Thank you so much for being here. Now let's dive into the show. Working with the pranic body is often the easiest way to uh, affect doshic imbalance. And that's really why pranayama is considered so powerful. Because unlike um, when we're working in the other layers of human existence, like really this directly right, will affect the balance of, of uh, doshic energy in the body. Now that said, it's also important to establish, you know, proper breath patterns for pretty much every condition because the breath is physically indicated in many systems of the body, right? So improper breath patterns um, literally cause the system to break down and then disease follows. Um, and the cascade of, of problems that can happen uh, because of incomplete breathing uh, really can't be overstated. Um, blood pressure, organ health, nervous system, immunity, just to name a few, right, are all serviced, right, by proper complete breath. So for almost every condition, as a yoga therapist, you're going to want to teach proper breathing if it's not happening naturally. So you're always going to be assessing that on like the sort of physical level with the breath. And then you know, we're looking at assigning uh, proper uh, pranayamas, like for which conditions. The way I'd like you to think about it is through the Vata Pitta Kapha uh, model, um, which again, you know, just so, you know, when you're working with individuals and you're not confused, Vata Pitta Kapha are just general descriptors or groups of patterns in the body that you might be trying to, to rebalance. So when you're thinking Vata, you know, you're going to be thinking about a client that's having trouble concentrating and, you know, or sort of bopping from one thing to another. Not in a manic way, just a problem with clear, non-delusional, focused thinking. So most uh, mental imbalances are going to require vata imbalancing. The other thing is that vata balancing pranayamas, right, um, balance people's thinking. So they are often indicated for many conditions, even if you're using another pranayama, right? Because you want to balance their thinking so they can see things clearly as part of the education process. The other big area where, you know, you probably think about vata is left and right side issues. Um, so when you see something that's really one-sided, um, you're going to think um, maybe in addition to other things, but definitely vata balancing is going to be required. So the vata balancing pranayamas will help. And that's true of any kind of left-right thing. I just had a, a client actually today when I'm filming this that's having this sort of like veering off to the left problem. Um, and that is one of the things we did. So anything where you right, left sides, you know, nerve stuff, anything, it doesn't matter what system in the body it's in, think about the balancing. The other, the other area would be disorders uh, in the home of Vata, which is the pelvic re region. Um, they might benefit from Vata uh, pranayama, um, like pelvic floor issues, 
uh, urinary and bladder conditions, um, that kind of thing. Uh, you you could think vata, and it definitely wouldn't hurt. So let it come up in your mind and then say, okay, well, this is in the area of vata. Let's try this and see how the client reacts. Um, the other place is like inconsistency. So especially like in pain. So if pain is moving around and mobile and not consistent, right? So, you know, your hip hurting all the time. Um, is not really, you know, you might get some benefit from vata pranayamas, but sort of like that doddering around kind of pain or uh, in and out, in and out, that kind of thing. Uh, or mobile pain where it's not located in one place. Uh, that is definitely, you want to be thinking vata. Uh, and then finally, you know, it's always useful because of its mental implications for rebalancing highs and lows. So when you perceive somebody to be just sort of not not balanced, like their highs are too high and their lows are a little too low and they they are languaging that that is uh, a problem for them because, you know, it's not really our job to assess that. It's more to help them, you know, work with or fix problems that they've identified as problems. So when a client's giving you that, you might think about them. So then next we have the Pitta Pranayamas. Um, and in, it, with Pitta... Mentally, you're going to think of conditions that involve overactive mental states like obsessions or anger. So anything that falls into those kind of realms, uh, definitely uh, rebalancing pitta is going to be important. Now, you know, as we said, you know, you might be rebalancing. You're not necessarily stoking pitta. You're rebalancing and bringing it home for things like that. Also, what I happen to see a lot is... Uh, inability to sleep due to too much energy, this kind of, um, you know, not being able to settle down. And it's not exactly anxiety, although that can be part of it. But um, a lot of people uh, will experience this kind of like not able to, to work their way down towards sleep. And that is often a bit of problem. Physically, uh, what we usually see uh, is inflammation and heat, right? Because pitta is fire. So arthritis, swelling of the joints, um, you, you also see an, an imbalanced pitta, um, people's inability to handle heat, uh, and that should make you think pitta. Now, <clears throat> just like vata, right, where we had the pelvis, also pitta, you're going to think of the region as well. So it's, it's the, uh, the belly, abdomen region. And what you want to be thinking about is slow digestion, things like that, or heartburn. So those are two sides of the same current coin, either, you know, stoking pitta for things that involve not, things not moving along like they should. And on the other side, you've got heartburn where you've got too much rising, right? So you want to rebalance that and bring it home. So that's both pitta as well. Um, and the probably the most important thing with pitta is that pitta conditions are often... Uh, really overactive. So to work with Pitta, it will be, you'll have to be, you know, really focused on getting the client to sensitize, right? Do not stoke Pitta for overactive conditions. What you want to do is sensitize people to their own body so they can have the heat be uh, in an appropriate area, which usually for Pitta, right, is in the belly, maybe just slightly up into the chest, but not burning them up. So those are the kinds of things you want to think about for Pitta. And then for kapha, um, you know, kapha is a little sort of 
simpler in a way to diagnose because what you see is um, mental lethargy and what you might call depression, right? But slowness mentally and slowness physically. So whenever you're thinking of slow, lack of inertia, you're going to think of the, the kaphas or low energy. Um, you're always going to think kapha. Okay, I got to get that kapha moving. Um, the other place you see kapha a lot is, uh, you know, of course, you know, this region, the chest area, um, the, the way that's going to manifest is usually like a lot of colds or a lot of mucus or um, conditions like bronchitis, like things like this. And you can think of all that as lungs and sort of low energy, not allowing things to work. And that's always going to be kapha. So um, I'm usually working with kapha, you know, in my practice uh, where it comes up the most is um, chronic low energy. Um, everything from, you know, actually diagnosed uh, low energy disorders all the way up to people just saying, I don't have the energy I want. I just have a basic low energy. Um, and then often kapha is indicated. And it could be, you know, in, in pranayama land, we're doing the pranayama kaphas to get things moving. You know, and just remember in general, right, you're trying to get them moving physically too. So that would often be in combination with physical movement working with the kapha. Um, so many conditions, right, cross these boundaries, but it's always going to be important to make a decision on what dosha, vatapitta kapha, is the primary issue. Uh, let me give you an example. So you have a client with lethargy and arthritis. Maybe um, they have an inability to focus and maybe that's due to pain and low energy. So then the question you got to ask yourself is what's the primary doshic imbalance, you know? And the way to get to that, you know, the way to start working with that is ask yourself, why has this person come here? Don't second guess the client's presented problem. If they come in and they say joint pain is the problem, then you go with pitta, right? Because they have inflamed joints. If they say, yeah, I have inflamed joints, but my real problem is that I have low energy, then you go with kapha. You let the client lead the way, right? Um, you don't try to second guess them. You might change strategies later best based on information, right, that you get from a client once you're working with them and you see how these either uh, positively, negatively, or don't at all affect their situation. But um, you don't put your own sort of thinking on top of theirs at first. And the other part of the art, I think, of this is, is to not aggravate um, the other doshas while treating one. So, for example, if you want to boost kapha for lethargy and the person has arthritis, um, then the pranayama, right, should both enhance their energy, but you don't want it to make their inflammation worse. So when you're tweaking the pranayamas, you know, amount of times, amount of effort, you know, how many, how they should feel while doing it. That's what you have in mind, because really you're always working for this result. And that's, that's the art. There is no simple answer to this. And um, I've actually been around other system, systems that sort of have prescriptions um, and they don't work <laughs> once you get, start working clinically. So you really need to like have a person in front of you, you know, try your kapha pranayama and then like it didn't really work you know i had more energy but i feel worse good 
then you reduce it, right? You have input. So it's always this relationship that you're working with. It is rare, in my personal experience, to see a pranayama resolve a physical condition completely. It's not magic. Um, but what you will see, uh, and if you work with a lot of people, what you'll hopefully see often, is um, a real reduction of symptoms if the pranayama is correct. So the way that usually ends up working well is, is, is having the ability to work carefully and, not over, and have your client not overstep uh, the instructions you give them and also you not giving them something that um, they're not really able to do easily or, or correctly. Um, for example, like you wouldn't give bandhas until it's clear that the preliminary steps of the breathing can be obtained, right? Um, this is very easy to do because, of course, you want them to get better and you have this idea, oh, I'll give them more and then it'll work even more. But what happens is when we overreach in this way, you know, it causes frustration and unfortunately it causes more pranic imbalance. You actually get the opposite effect and uh, you can lose a lot of clients this way if you overreach. So you go one step at a time. Don't worry about working slowly. Don't worry about that. So let me now give you um, a couple case studies uh, where pranayama um, was a main factor. You know, I was thinking about it and I was looking over some notes. Um, and, and this first one I found really interesting. And it's, it's the example of a kind of condition that I think yoga therapy is really good for. Um, it was vulvodynia. Um, it was a client in her mid-30s. And vulvodynia is a condition where, you're, where a woman's vulva region um, was, as she described it, on fire and in pain much of the time. Uh, and she had been to several medical professionals who offered um, some self-care techniques, like using ice, you know, like basic kind of things. But it hadn't really helped her. Um, and I listened to her history. And although there were many things I could have latched onto with this, um, she had tried, you know, these self-care things and some dietary changes. Um, and they hadn't really worked. And so this is, this is common in yoga therapy because you've got this condition that there isn't really an awesome treatment for, right? Um, so I decided to think in a doshic way for this particular person uh, to see if uh, she could obtain some relief. And just to give you a little background, she's a really successful, driven individual, super fast talking, pretty angry, <laughs> um, but also very open, which, you know, that combination with this really active pitta, right, mind, um, but open to things being different, um, made me feel like she could be sensitive enough to do this work. So we worked with two techniques. Um, first was some complete breaths, uh, engaging the pelvic floor on exhale and releasing on the inhale. And the reason I used this was to sensitize her to her breath and pelvic floor. And I was especially mindful uh, to teach her not to engage strongly and really release on the inhale. So the exhales were a really light engagement. Um, and that took a little while. This is really new to her. But once she mastered this, um, I followed it with Kabbalabhati uh, variation with the pitta balancing breath. And it was mainly 
to get her to be able to heat lightly her abdominal area, not above, as I've taught you. Um, and this took, because she was so pitter, very few breaths. So she only did eight, maybe 10 per round. And then finally we ended with that same complete breath and then cooled down. So this was her homework basically. And in two months, uh, she reduced her pain um, about half, as she described it. Um, and in six months, she was 95% pain-free, right? Just, just an occasional uh, little tiny flare-up. And uh, I added some quiet uh, meditation to help the system stay balanced as a, as a helpful piece. And then um, I didn't hear for her, from her for uh, a couple years. Uh, and two years later, she reappeared and said it basically stayed the same. Like she had very little symptoms, but she had hit a really stressful part of her life and sort of needed a refresher. And, and I did a little variations on the same theme, a little bit of asana actually, because um, I thought it would help her at that time. But the point of this is like, you know, after many medical professionals, it's very, you know, pretty simple pranayamas, a huge effect, huge, the sensitization. So that's that's one case study that struck me as I was looking through. Um, and then another one that I thought would be more common um, is I got someone with chronic constipation, uh, a woman in her early 60s. Um, and the first thing I noticed is that she was a reverse breather. So... We worked together for a while using asana um, because originally the breath instruction wasn't working. And I tried it on her back and standing and it just made it worse. So after a couple months, um, it was four sessions, uh, asana uh, with a little, with no real result. I changed tactics and she was really vata imbalanced, you know, all over the place in conversation. Um, and although I wanted her to do belly breathing, uh, she couldn't make it happen. So I switched, you know, I switched hacks and had her do alternate nostril breathing. Um, we focused on exhales and lengthen the out breath, really simple. Uh, and this she could do. So uh, I asked her to do it three minutes, two times a day. Um, and she decided that four or five times a day would be better on her own. And that seemed to work well. Um, I noticed when doing asana, the next session, right, she was belly breathing. So long story short, she found herself um, constipation free <laughs> very soon after that. Um, and she followed up with me a few months later uh, when she had a, a small bout. Um, but it was really mostly to thank me, right, for how well she was doing. And I basically just told her to keep doing the same thing and that worked again. Um, as a woman who had been chronically constipated for a very long time. So just a couple examples about working with the pranic body can often lead to really amazing results. Um, and the thing about these two clients is that they both actually surprised me at the time. And the great thing is that they, the clients really took control of their own healing. Um, so to dip underneath the physical uh, kosha into the pranam, uh, Maya Kosha can be really empowering. Uh, and our skill as a yoga therapist is not just in techniques, but being really, really sensitive uh, to what a client can work with and seeing if we can find a way to make, you know, take the thing that 
what a client can do and sort of expand and enhance that um, so that they can benefit. Om Shanti. Thank you so much for making it to the end of this episode. Please subscribe, rate and review our show and help us share yoga therapy with more people around the world. If you think this episode will help someone you know, feel free to share it with them. If you love yoga therapy and meditation, you can follow us over on Instagram at breathingdeeplyyoga, where we share anything and everything to help you advance your understanding of yoga therapy and meditation. For more information about our yoga therapy and meditation trainings and programs, visit breathingdeeply.com. See you in the next episode.